Jabba ruled with fear. I intend to rule with respect. Eleven days away from Book of Boba Fett. What Boba Fett got up to between five and episode six. When I was younger, you know, I tried to explain to my mates how, how exciting Boba Fett was. You know, it's like what the guy that got whacked off the barge by a blind man. But now finally, after all these years, I can come back and slap this graphic novel down in front of me and be like, read this. Hello there, and welcome to episode 37 of Live from Vader's Castle. As always, you're joined by your two hosts, myself, Dan McQuarrie, and my co-host, John Lee. Good evening, John. Hello there, Dan. How are you? Oh, I'm good. It's it's a, it's a good time to be alive, healthy, and negative for COVID. I don't know how you're feeling. Oh, that's an absolute dig, though. <laughs> Bloody outrageous. Set um, you up. <laughs> Yeah, set me up beautifully for that one. So uh, I'm sure the listeners will be absolutely tragic to find out that uh, John Lee has been struck down with COVID this morning, tested uh, <laughs> tested positive. The but, first of the Live from Vader's Castle hosts to catch the disease, and hopefully the only one. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, we're feeling good sitting here uh, at home. No, no serious symptoms yet, so I'm still here to discuss Star Wars. Uh, exactly. don't, have to, don't have to worry about that and there'll be no sick days on this podcast <laughs> that, that, that virus will never stop this podcast ticking never no you can never, never put me down <laughs> um, but uh, it's the, the reason that I give John a hard time most people when I find out they get COVID are just like oh, are you okay like how's things you know you feel a bit of sympathy not John because he spent the last week <laughs> constantly going on about the fact that he's immune he's untouchable <laughs> and like, like Icarus, he flew close, too close to the sun, and here he is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not, you're not wrong. I was feeling rather confident. I think it was the two trips this week to the absolute dive bar that is social chill where I thought, I've got to be immune now. <laughs> like, there's probably COVID in the water there, so uh, I, I came out and scaved off a few trips in there, but it's finally caught up with me. But it's, it's not all bad news this week. I know this isn't Star Wars related, but it would be... It'd be rude if we didn't briefly mention the fact that we've both seen uh, Spider-Man this week, seeing that it is possibly the biggest film since 2019, so it's kind of got to be talked about. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it was... It, I think it's just... It's like a national, worldwide event, almost. People are going to go see it, um, and people, you know... And it's like an immediate thing you, you're talking about with people um, these days. Yeah, yeah it was, a, it was a, a very special day. It was it was interesting to say the least. Yeah, not haven't seen that hype in the cinema since um, probably yeah Endgame. What was that? Two thousand nineteen. Yeah. yeah, I think the, the the few times I've seen sort of, well, I mean, if if you're based in the US, you're probably used to people clapping and cheering and shouting in the cinema, but it doesn't really happen in the UK. The only times I can think of it is sort of a few gasps and like cheers. And the Force Awakens came out, but that was a midnight release screening. There was, I remember one gasp in um, The Last Jedi when Snoke got cut in half in the cinema, but that was a midnight release again. And then both Infinity War and Endgame had some sort of a few cheers and a few some people shouting, bring me Thanos and stuff like that. But um, it doesn't happen very often in the UK. So to be sat in my tiny little local cinema in the Highlands of Scotland with about 20 other people and for people actually to clap in the cinema was um, was, a, was a unique experience. And it's, it's good to see the the nerd cinema experiences back in full force. It's um, I'm, I'm, I'm now excited 
for the next Star Wars film in the cinemas because it's uh, something special about going to the cinema and sharing those special moments with other people and stuff. So, yeah, big up Spider-Man. Great film. And uh, it technically is related to Star Wars because Chief Palpatine does make an appearance in the film. So (laughs) big up Lego uh, Chief Palpatine. (laughs) Oh, he does. I saw your tweet in that. I thought you were joking because just like... um... Like a cameo, a cameo perspective. But then now you said that yes, uh, yeah. Obviously, there there is a little sheep Palpatine in the film in the no, form I mean, of a Lego minifigure. I never lie. I'd never lie about something that happened in a film. Truthful, honest appearance from Sheep Palpatine himself. Just sadly, it wasn't Ian McDermott. It was just a little Lego figure. But you know, connective tissue in the multiverse. Star Wars exists. <laughs> Indeed, I think if uh, Sheep Palpatine had emerged at some point in the film, the place would have gone. Ballistic. So uh, I'm, I'm glad oh that he didn't because it was bad. It was bad enough as it was at times. Oh my god! Could you could you imagine if one day, obviously, because Disney owned both Marvel and Star Wars, if they actually find some way to collide those universes? I don't think I'd want it purely because Star Wars is pretty sacred, and the idea of Spider Man swinging in and webbing up Luke Skywalker just rubs me the wrong way a little bit. <laughs> just the thought of the um the villains in Spider-Man, you know, squaring off against Spider-Man and just hearing like <laughs> unlimited power. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it can make for an interesting what if story one day. Yeah, what if only, <laughs> I think. <laughs> anyway, that's enough about Spider-Man. I imagine most people listening right now have also seen it because who hasn't? So um uh it just, as I said, it's made me excited for more Star Wars cinema experiences. So the sooner they come, the better. Luke's film, get a move on. I want to experience it in the big screen again. Yeah, I think, I mean, <clears throat> I can't remember the, the the experience in the last three uh, Star Wars films I've seen, but I don't think anyone was quite as excited and enamoured at the um, what was going on on the screen as they were yeah, in Spider-Man. Um, there was no whooping and cheering. So I'm kind of hoping maybe, maybe as much as I... You know, it's my typical English self. It's like, oh, you've got to be quiet in the cinema. And it was fun. So I'm kind of hoping we can get that experience in a Star Wars film uh, eventually. Yeah, I mean, Rise of Skywalker didn't really have any crowd noise whatsoever. The only thing I do, the only thing I do remember from Rise of Skywalker was someone behind me when Ray and Kylo kissed, being like, oh, that's lame. <laughs> I had a kind of similar reaction. That was like, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> In my head, I'm thinking, like, was there a groan? I think that might have just literally been me sitting in my chair. Yeah, I, I do think there were a couple groans, but um, oh, well. alas, should we should we get into uh, today's discussions? Of course, that's, that's a dive. So we are. I'm looking at my my my, my uh, phone. Eleven days away from Book of Boba Fett. Can you believe it? We're already there. No, it's, it's creeping up too fast. I know. Creeping up on me. Um, I think I've been excited for the show since it was announced, but now we're like really close. I'm like, I'm very much feeling the hype because Spider-Man was the hype for a while. And now really the next thing on the nerd calendar is the book of Boba Fett. So I'm very excited. Um, uh, I read a recent series of interviews with Filoni and Robert Rodriguez about the show and oh, it just sounds like it's going to be incredible. And someone made a point on Twitter um, that this is like the first time 
there's been a Star Wars show that like we literally know nothing about it. Like nothing's leaked. Like if you think about Mando season two, like Ahsoka leaked, Boba Fett leaked, Bo-Katan leaked. Like we knew a lot of the stuff that was going to be in it, but this show, we like nothing has leaked. So we don't know anything about the show. So they've clearly kept this like the most secretive set yet. And the fact that they've done that to me suggests that they're, they've been cooking something massive for us. So I'm very excited for Boba Fett. Um, and I'm sure you are as well. Yeah, I'm very excited. That's a, that's a good point, actually. You know, yeah, I haven't actually seen any any leaks or um, or anything like that. And I think personally, I haven't even really watched. Like, I watched the first trailer that's come out, um, but I ha- I've kind of just stayed away from uh, like the material and stuff being released um, for the show, just because like, I kind of gave up towards like Spider Man. I was like, I watch all because I so I wanted to go in fresh. But like, you when you see leaks and stuff, you kind of just like, oh, you know, I might as well watch anything that they've. <clears throat> they're posting on Twitter or something, but yeah, it's, I've kind of stayed away from from the news since um, since the original trailer came out, and uh, yeah, so I've been been scrolling through Twitter happily for for weeks now about actually even realizing that I'm not not having it spoiled for me or having any or seen any leaks. So that's that's a good point actually. Yeah, they must have absolutely something up their sleeve that they uh, they're desperate to keep hidden. Yeah, I mean they've only they've only done two trailers and then sort of a selection of little TV spots and you know, 20 second animated posters really. And none of what they've shown really gives away anything. I mean, every single trailer reuses the same shots, the same lines of like Boba Fett saying like, Jabba ruled with fear. I intend to rule with respect. That's my terrible Tamara Morrison impression. Um, So they've literally used the same dialogue footage in all of them. And then Robert Rodriguez in his interview the other day said that, um, they're, they've only showed footage from the first half of the first episode, which is really rare. So clearly they've got something secretive that they don't want to tell us about. They want us to think that this is a show about Boba Fett taking over Jabba's territory, which I'm sure it is, but I, I think there's something massive that we're not finding out about in the show. And that just makes me incredibly excited. I think this is like when people went into the Mandalorian and had no idea that, Grogu or Baby Yoda was going to be the central plot line in that story. I think they've probably got something else in this, which is being kept super secret. So, yeah, cannot wait. So we're um we're going to be this week and next week, uh, the last two weeks of the podcast before Boba Fett is out in the world, episode one. So we thought in the same way that we prepared for Bad Batch with an episode talking all about the Bad Batch and then a little bit um, talking about the Bad Batch's Clone Wars arc before the Bad Batch started. We thought we'd do the same here. We'd have our sort of journey to Book of Boba Fett episodes um, where we get ourselves and the listeners prepared for the greatness to come. Um, So today we thought we'd cover... um, Recently in the comics, if people don't keep up with the comics, there's been a storyline called War of the Bounty Hunters, which has been a big crossover event. And in comics, crossover events are sort of one main series of about five issues that tells a story. And then all the ongoing comics, so the comics that have run before and will continue running after, tie into it in different ways. Um, So there's been one going on in the Star Wars universe where the four ongoing comics, Star Wars by Charles Soule, Darth Vader by Greg Pak, Dr. Aphra by Alyssa Wong and Bounty Hunters by Ethan Sachs have all um, 
tied in to this War of the Bounty Hunters story. Um, so what we thought we'd do is we thought specifically the War of the Bounty Hunters five issue plus the alpha, which is like the prelude to it storyline, is now being collected in a graphic novel, which I have and I've just just reread today. Good fun. Um, it is essentially a Boba Fett story. It basically tells a story of what Boba Fett got up to between episode five and episode six. Um, and really is the last story we know of for Boba Fett before he ended up in the Sarlacc pit. And then we saw him in the Mandalorian. So it's whether this show is going to fit in, whether this comic is going to have any influence in the show, we don't know, but we thought we'd discuss the story, discuss the, uh, the events that Boba Fett was getting up to. Um, and then lay down a few predictions, thoughts about what might happen in the show and whether anything that went on in this comic is going to feed in to that show. So that was a that was a long ramble of me trying to explain <laughs> comic crossover events because they're really messy. So it was good that my description was messy as well. But I think this was a good one. It was a fun one. And uh, it'll be it'll be good to talk Boba Fett today. Yeah, I mean comic crossovers usually are a bit messy. It's usually they usually only get messy though when it's like <clears throat> not particularly clear about where each person's story like joins in it. And I think it's also worse when um especially worse in like the bigger franchises like uh, Marvel and DC when there's a massive crossover and you've got like bloody about twenty different characters in it. I think for the Star Wars ones it does only cross, as you said, I think it was what, like four or five different stories there. So it's kind of a lot easier to kind of keep track of. And I think all the writers for these uh Star Wars books I haven't read them all, but I'm sure they've all done a good job um, keeping the, the the crossover flowing nicely. And I think, I, I mean, the only ones I've really kept up with is Star Wars and uh, just the Star Wars one and uh, Vader uh, before War of the Bounty Hunters. And I think they they fed in quite well with that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is, as crossover events go in comics, this is this is a well-contained one, I think. So, yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. Tidy. It was tidy, which you don't normally get. Um, I've read quite a few Marvel crossover events in comics. Um, admittedly, not since 2016. I think Civil War Two was the last crossover I read, and that was enough to put me off for a while. <laughs> so I haven't been back since. Um, but yeah, the Marvel ones are known for getting quite messy. So this was not necessarily in a bad way. But Civil War Two it was a bad way, but um, this was a nice, tidy, clean, and contained crossover event that I personally, having read all 30 odd issues that crossed over was very impressed with so it'll be um but we're specifically in this episode just going to be talking about the main storyline because it is a boba fett story and this is our our journey to book a boba fett so i'll uh, i'll pass over to john firstly what's your your overall thoughts of uh the boba fett story before we start giving the, the specific details of what he got up to for those who haven't read it uh i mean well you know me and i've said Many times before on this podcast, Boba Fett is, <clears throat> oh, is you know one of my number one guys in Star Wars. Um, and again, as I've said before, for doing pretty much jack shit um, in most of the first films we ever see him in. Um, so, just the fact that we um, <clears throat> we get a nice storyline with him, uh, you know, in the main con- continuity that shows off his badass, you know, just being badass is, uh, you know, how well-respected he is within the bounty hunter community, like how much he just intimidates people with his presence, you know, other bits like that, that really then help to define and build um, up the character to the point where we all 
have justifications for the reason that we love him because you know I could I when I was young you know I tried to explain to my mates how how exciting Bobbeth was um, and they just they, they didn't get it they were just like what the guy that got whacked off the barge by a blind man like no no John I think you're, you're, missing, you're missing a beat here but now finally after all these years I can come back and slap this graphic novel down in front of me and be like read this and you'll finally get it funny enough I was one of those people who in the original trilogy is my Star Wars but I was always someone who was like why is everyone obsessed with Boba Fett like he looks cool he says about three lines and then yeah blind man defeats him by you know whacking him into a, a big pit in the ground so I was one of those people <clears throat> and then obviously popped up at Attack of the Clones and we learn a little bit more about him and his um, his, his father Jango Fett and the fact that he was a identical clone and you know all of this sort of stuff that we found out about Boba Fett but I still wasn't completely sold um I really like the the storyline in Clone Wars which I'm sure we'll probably get into next week where he wants to kill Mace Windu and I thought nice we're getting a little bit more backstory about Boba but it really wasn't until Mando season two when he came back and we saw that that Boba that everyone's been going on about for years that I really was like right this is a character who interests me and then since diving into sort of as much canon material as possible over the past year you know one of them being the comics and there's been other comic stories where he's popped up and he's really interested me Boba Fett is slowly and I'm sure after the end of Book of Boba Fett becoming one of my one of my favorite characters so this this graphic novel is another great example of realizing why Boba Fett is actually such a cool and appreciated character because he essentially is just a simple man trying to make his way in the universe. <laughs> I mean, I know I'm ripping off a line that he said himself and his dad said as well, but um yes essentially in this in this storyline what he what he says to I think he says it's like Princess Leia and Lando and that. Um and he has a code, you know, if he if he's given a bounty, he will deliver it to the end. Um and he doesn't you know, he's not going to go to some other highest bidder who's going to offer him more money. He believes in doing his job and delivering on it because he has a reputation to uphold for being the best and most ruthless and most feared bounty hunter in the galaxy. And I think what's interesting is Django Fett was the same in the sense that his thing was about legacy, about his reputation, about how people recognise Django Fett. And that's obviously passed on to his son as well. So... I think this Charles Soule does a really good job in this comic of really honing into that that factor of Bob Fett's character, which, you know, he everything he does in this comic is not really for I mean, it is for money. Um, the comic ends with him saying, pay me, but really it's about his reputation and about um the way that the fellow bounty hunters of the universe view him and the universe at large view him. And I think he, I think the reason why the book of Boba Fett interests me and the Mandalorian's interpretation of him fits in my mind is I don't see Boba Fett as an inherently bad person. I just see him as someone who lives in this very violent, chaotic galaxy and his way of surviving and his way of making his way in the galaxy is by being a damn good bounty hunter. And he's not going to, you know, Boba Fett doesn't go around killing people for the sake of killing them. He kills people who gets in the way of him doing his job. And his job is bounty hunting, which normally ends in killing people as well. But I don't see him as an inherently bad person, but then I don't see him as an inherently good person either. I think he he fits that 
anti-hero moral gray area of the stuff he does is bad but it doesn't necessarily he's not necessarily evil and i think this comp this comic tells that story of boba fett quite nicely and bridges the gap that i think a gap that a lot of people have had questions about of you know we know that there's a year between the ending of empire strikes back and the beginning of return of the jedi what happens in that year is something that the comics are currently exploring but specifically um the i guess the reasons why the rebellion still a year later haven't got han solo off of jabba the hut is a question that this comic attempts to answer and some of the crossover comics answer even more deeply um and i just think it's a fun story of saying here's boba fett delivering his bounty oh no he's someone has stolen han solo from him can he get it back is essentially the premise and i think it's a it delivers on on that on that promise yeah i mean i completely agree with uh, everything you just just said there especially on the point that boba fett isn't necessarily like a like a bad person um i completely agree on that <clears throat> you know he's he's obviously a bounty hunter and they're not exactly the nicest of people but you know he exactly he lives with his code he gets his job done you know if you if you get in his way you're usually going to be of a similar um similar ethics and uh and stuff like that so he he will uh he will just take you out there and then uh, if you get in his way of a job, but you know, that's, you, you've made your choice and you, you've made your bed, you've got to lie on it. Um, so yeah, I completely agree. He's, he's not a horrible person. And there's many um, points in this book um, or graphic novel where he has the opportunity to like just kill people willy nilly or, you know, stuff like that. But he, he tends to try and maybe make alliances with people or just like intimidate them to get them out of his way um, <clears throat> and stuff. You know, there's, there's, there's ample opportunities in this way. He could have killed like, Leia, Chewbacca, or something—you know—some of the other bounty hunters. He, you know, he spares. Um, some he kills. Some he spares. Um, you know, and then as you say, at the end of the day, I think there's a lot of this story is just about him and his reputation. You know, if, if the galaxy finds out that someone's stolen a bounty from him, and he hasn't got it back, and he's failed to get it back, you know, that's that's damaging his uh, his you know reputation at the galaxy. And he's not going to get as many jobs. You know, people won't pay him as much. People won't come to him for the complex and and and. Um, interesting bounties that I'm sure he's he's gotten throughout the years uh so yeah I mean he's definitely a very interesting character it's not just um it's not just face value you know he's like a assassin for hire or something you know he's it's a bit more complex to that and I think this this book um does a good job of, of showing that off yeah yeah no, I completely agree um so for people who haven't read the storyline we'll just give a quick um spoiler um field overview of what happens in the story just you know for people who want to go into book of boba fett with a better understanding of some of the lore but can't be bothered to read the comic series even though i would say it's worth reading um we it picks up i imagine this is maybe like a week after um a week or two weeks after the end of empire strikes back boba fett is in the slave one on his way to Tatooine to deliver Han Solo back to Jabba the Hutt. Han Solo's carbonite body starts to like malfunction, essentially, like the carbonite starts to sort of melt away. So he has to take the carbonite frozen Han Solo to this sort of doctor guy that he knows on Nar Shaddaa, I think it is. Is it Nar Shaddaa or Nar uh, Hutter? One of, the, one of those planets. Um, it's in Hutt space. And... When he gets there, this he doesn't have any money because he's waiting on Deliverance Bounty to get paid. Um, 
so he enters himself into this sort of like fighting arena so that this doctor will solve the problem with the carbonite for him um but so that he doesn't get recognized he sprays himself black like he sprays his suit from green to black and enters under the name Django, which is a bit of a cool, obviously reference to his father, um, but a little nod to the fans as well. So scraps his way through multiple people, beats the sort of um, champion of this arena and swiftly makes his escape from the, the place because he's pissed off all the people who have been betting on this champion, et cetera, et cetera. He doesn't care about the money. He just wants the job done. So the doctor will fix Han Solo, gets back to this doctor and the doctor is dead on the floor and Han Solo's body is gone. Um, and that is essentially the setup for the story. I think that's a little prelude issue that sets it up. And then what we learn in the opening issue and what essentially the entire story is about is that Crimson Dawn, who we met in Solo, a Star Wars story, um, have stolen Boba Fett's stole Boba Fett. He's stolen Boba Fett's bounty, stolen Han Solo, and intends to auction him off to all the powers in the galaxy um, as part of a more as a part of a deeper plan to sort of sow chaos and descent into the galaxy. Um, we also find out that Kira, played by Amelia Clark in Solo, is back and she's in charge of Crimson Dawn, and it was her who instigated who organized this this um robbery of boba fett and then the remaining story is essentially set on this planet called jakara where the crimson dawn are having this auction the empire show up vader shows up the rebellion shows up all the huts are there black sun the pike syndicate and boba fett is trying to get his bounty back but he also discovers that Jabba the Hutt has put a bounty on his head because he thinks that Boba has sold Han Solo to Crimson Dawn. So bounty hunters like Zuckus, Forlom, Bosk, Dengar um, are all after Boba Fett as well. So he's got all these bounty hunters trying to kill him. He's trying to retrieve his bounty from Crimson Dawn and then eventually the hands of the Empire and... The, the story goes in lots of crazy different directions, but we essentially finish the story with Boba Fett managing to secure Han Solo after it sort of Han Solo's body falls out of an Imperial Star Destroyer whilst him, Leia, Lando and Chewie are all fighting over Han and he scoops it out of the water with like a grapple hook and safely gets him back to Jabba the Hutt and is like, you know, screw you, Jabba, for putting a bounty on my head. I never fail. Here's proof. Here's Han Solo back. Now pay me. And that's essentially, in a couple minutes, <laughs> the storyline. Um, it's got lots, obviously, the, the big Kira moment was the big surprise when the comic first came out. The fact that Kira was back and her character's reintroduction is really, really interesting in this and is continuing in a new comic series called Crimson Rain, which has just started at the moment. Um, so it's cool that Crimson Dawn are back, but this story... Um, Charles Sowers said sort of multiple times is about Boba Fett and how he has to retrieve his big bounty back from Crimson Dawn and then the Empire, the Rebellion and everyone who wants Boba Fett, uh, who wants Han Solo. So that is the story. Am I, am I missing anything, John? Have I missed any essential beat to the story there? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. I think that is that is pretty much the the synopsis. 
Is that the word? Synopsis of the book? Yes. Yeah, it's a synopsis. It's a synopsis. Is like a brain thing. Synopsis is a <laughs> what, what you meant to say. <laughs> yeah, synopsis. I think that that will sum up the book quite nicely there. So I think you've you've covered all the story beats. <clears throat> I mean, obviously, there's. I would, as Dan said earlier, go off and, and read it because um, there are some absolutely like fantastic badass moments with like um, you know other bounty hunters show up, as Dan said, like suckers. Um, you know, shows up and there's a character that we just, I'm sure discussed in our Bounty Hunters episode, you know, someone that can see slightly into the future and still gets bested by, uh, by Boba Fett, you know, Bosk shows up, one of the most notorious um, Bounty Hunters in the oh, galaxy, boy. gets bested by Boba Fett. Gets his know, legs um, blown off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as Dan said, you know, Boba Fett saves Han Solo from falling into like, the ocean, but with a grapple gun after like jumping out of an Imperial Dessar destroyer you know, through the atmosphere and all that sort of stuff, which is an incredible, incredibly badass moment. So it's just, um, it's just like hit after hit for Boba, Boba Fett moments. Because, I mean, as uh, Charles Sowell has rightly stated, this is a book about Boba Fett and we need to show off his his abilities and skills, which I think they, they did uh, fantastically there. There's no one, I think after reading this, this comic, there's no one that can sit there and... Uh, Still think that there's no justification for bad for badass nature of Boba Fett. You know he's he's one of the top tier bounty hunters, and you definitely understand why after reading this. I think there's even a there's definitely a moment in the in the comic where um uh he's at Tatooine that you're asking Bit Fortuna why there's a bounty on him, um and then Bit kind of just gets all the bounty hunters that are stashed away inside um, inside Jabba's palace. You know the ones in like. Um, Return of the Jedi, like all like standing around, they're probably the same, same ones. Then they all come out like guns aimed at Boba, and Boba's just kind of standing there, like, right, well, you know, you can all attack me, I'll kill some of you, maybe most of you, but actually, do you really want to do this? And they just kind of, they all kind of just give up. They're like, no, actually, I'd rather not. <laughs> I'd rather yeah. waste ten minutes to just die at the hands of Boba Fett here. And there must be about twenty of them, so his reputation clearly precedes him. Yeah, and it's it's quite funny that in multiple interactions he has with people trying to kill him, his his reaction is just like, "Yeah, I'm not scared." Should like, do you want to do this? Because <laughs> I mean, we can do this, and I'll win. Um, he sort of has that reaction to Dengar. I think he calls like Dengar. He's just like, "Oh yeah, one of you like smaller guy, like small time guys, like him, Bosk, Forlom, Zuckus, IG88." He sort of describes as like the the small time guys, and like Dengar obviously takes that really personally because Dengar's got a bit of an ego about him and then you know gets the floor wiped of him by Boba as well so Boba has this sort of like fearless nature where he's just like he knows he can beat every single person who comes up against him so he's sort of just like taunting them into you know go on then yeah I mean the one person I think in the entire comic series that he he decided not to have a scrap with was uh, was Vader I think that was a that was a wise move he had, he had the blaster aimed at Vader's head and there's like a little panel of the flashback from um uh, Empire Strikes Back, where Vader like deflects Han Solo's blaster bolt, and Bob was just like, "Ah, oh, no, I can't bother for this." <laughs> he's like, he's no. like, "It's not worth it." <laughs> yeah, he's like, "No, we're not, we're not scrapping a Sith Lord today." No, I can't bother. But that's what I respect about Bob. He knows that he can beat pretty much everyone, but he's he's pragmatic. He knows he's not going to beat uh, Darth Vader, so he's like, "You know what? I won't bother." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Plus, you know, but it seems like Vader's got him on retainer, so he's like, uh, "You know what? I won't scrap him because I lost me some." That'll lose me some profit in the future, I'm sure, because Vader seems to have a soft spot for uh, Boba Fett and for hiring to do things. He, he seems to get the number one call up. 
he gets the job done and I guess Vader probably respects that. He doesn't, he doesn't like people who waste time. He wants people who just gets the job done and uh, Boba Fett is known for getting the job done. He is, yeah. Man, if you want a reliable bounty hunter, Boba Fett is the man to go to. As this, this comic shows and the mm-hmm. like, prelude one, Alpha, I mean, that was, that's again another highlight of uh, <clears throat> Boba Fett badass moments. Just goes into like a championship scrap. You know, you got you start at the bottom, keep beating people to you, work your way up. And he just did goes through it like I think it's like a page of just like each panel is like a different different uh, character has got to fight um, or a different challenge has got to fight and it's like what, it only needs like one panel per person it's just him like decapitating someone or setting someone on fire or just shooting someone yeah. before they've even had a chance to draw their gun it's like, he decapitates just... a poor Duros yeah. <laughs> he chops the head off and then I think the commentator like the commentator over the arena makes a comment that he's like aiming for people's heads or something because the next panel he like shoots someone right in the dome <laughs> it's quite funny yeah I mean, he doesn't mess about he goes straight from walks in works his way straight up to the top and then and then kills the uh, the championship fighter who by the way, it looked bloody terrifying. Like a spider. <laughs> yeah. It was creepy. So Boba Fett's done an absolutely fantastic job there. Just murks everyone. Yeah, and it was a, a weird... This is sort of the, the pinnacle of Star Wars weirdness, which I always love when Star Wars gets really weird. The champion fighter was this weird sort of half spider, half lady, um, sort of alien. And the, there's this guy in, like, I guess, the locker room beforehand saying, oh, the arena's different for every fight, so hopefully they'll build an arena that will suit you. And then he goes out in the arena and it's just covered in webs and stuff. <laughs> and um, the the challenger, the champion that he's fighting is just like, oh, this feels a lot like my home world, which obviously is alluding to the fact that the fight is being rigged against Boba Fett. But even being rigged against Boba Fett, he still comes out victorious and manages to piss off a lot of people in the progress, in the process. Um, but yeah, I think it was a, it was a good point to make, John. It's just a, that first issue is just a showing how tough Boba is and, um, you know, why he's got such a, such a strong reputation amongst the bounty hunting world. And I think, you know, we'll obviously get into this in a, in a little bit, the, the main reason we're going to be talking about all of this, but I think, that reputation that we see is going to serve him very well in his TV series when he's sort of trying to solidify his position within the underworlds. Because if so many people know about his notoriety as a fearsome fighter, there's going to be very few people who are going to be willing to challenge him when he takes the uh, the Tatooine throne. So I think um, this this comic does a good job of reminding us what it is that makes Boba Fett Boba Fett. Yeah, exactly. I think it's just... It- it's also just absolutely so impressive that he does all this while just being like a regular guy. Like he's going up against like, you know, like Trandoshans against like robots, actual like cyborgs, um, you know, things like that. And he trounces them every time, all of them, you know, some of the uh, aliens he was fighting in the, the alpha series um, were, you know, like he's almost at a disadvantage being just like a regular human, but he still like manages to just wipe the floor with them and come out on top. Uh, even the clone troopers had slight enhancements to like their thinking and and stuff, just to make them a bit more combat combat ready and a bit more uh, combat combat thinking. But Boba Fett's just a, literally like a regular clone of Jango Fett. There's no differences to him. There's no enhancements. There's no no nothing. He's just a straight up regular dude, and just managed still manages to wipe the floor with aliens who technically you know have like special abilities or like or you know machines and stuff that have, should 
theoretically be able to like just one shot everyone with like yeah. decent aim or something, but Boba Fett still comes out on top every time. Yeah, I think the the tools that Boba Fett has in his armory is just his you know, his raw skill and talent as a fighter, which he's obviously trained in for since he was a kid. But then obviously he's got his jetpack, he's got his flamethrower, and then he's got his um his rocket that he uses a lot <laughs> in the in this. I think the, the flamethrower and the rocket throughout this series he uses so many times like he burns quite a few people including Chewbacca which was a moment where I was like hey Boba I was starting to like you you can't go burning Chewbacca like that that is too far <laughs> Lando had to put him out of his cape which is a, f- a funny moment um but the the rocket he uses to to blow up uh, Bosk and blow Bosk's legs off to to which Bosk is like oh yeah they'll grow back on the Trandoshan but you know I'm a big Bosk fan so that was a, a fun fight to watch and I hope that Bosk is able to get at least a little bit of revenge in the Book of Boba Fett show when it comes out. We'll, we'll see if that comes to light. But yeah, I think, you know, as, as we were saying, I think as, and as John was rightly saying, he is essentially just a, a guy in a, a set of armour with a few good weapons. But the way that he, he uses them and the way that he um, fights means he's he's near enough unbeatable. And um, I think this this series just goes to show that when all the bounty hunters in the galaxy are trying to kill him, um, it's still not going to be enough. Yeah. I mean, it generally just makes me... Uh, I'm, I'm also thinking that there's a couple of fights in this series um, where he does like use you know, his like, reputation to get away from a, a scrap, you know, especially the ones in uh, Jemma's Palace or like after the fight with Bast, then you got the fight with Dengar. Um, and then who's the cyborg fella? I can't remember his name. Uh, Valance. Valance, yeah. I mean, yeah. you've got three bounty hunters there that he doesn't he doesn't kill, but leave, you know, leaves in, in, in cap, incapacitated. That's what incapacitated, I want. Incapacitated, yeah. Incapacitated <laughs> stuff. So I'm assuming that we're going to be seeing seeing them come up at some point soon. And it just makes me think, like, it's just, well, they left alive for a reason for them to come up maybe in Book of Boba Fett or something. Mm, yeah, I think I think I mean we'll start talking about the, the the ramifications of the series and how we think it might affect. I mean, the way that I understand Lucasfilm and specifically the story group work is there's stuff that is decided in Lucasfilm is untouchable because that's going to be told in a future film TV show. Um and then there's stuff which is, you know unlikely to get used again so is available for storytellers to cover in comics and books and then i think the third thing is there's specific things that story group are instructed from the films or the tvs to give backstory to or to tell stories for so the example for that would be when the sequels were coming out there were tie-in novels that were being released around the time that the sequels or the spin-off show uh, spin-off films came out that authors were given a brief of like, tell this story and this, you know, people can watch the film and they'll understand it. But if they read this story, it gives them a little bit more information or, you know, teases them a little bit of what's going to happen. Um, so I guess the the question with this series is what category does it fit into? I mean, the, the, the Empire Strikes Back to Return the Jedi story has been something that essentially the comics, Marvel comics have been told it's theirs to fill in by the story group. So, you know, they've, they, they basically, they fleshed out all of episode four to episode five, 
previously and now they're doing episode five to episode six what happened in between but say the story group probably are aware of you know what characters might be popping up in book of boba fett so i think you make a good point of you know the the bounty hunters who have been left alive which i think is all of them i think even forlom and zuckus in one of the spin-off comics like forlom gets put back together zuckus survives just so all of like the main bounty hunters from empire strikes back like that original bounty hunters lineup are still alive is that something that Book of Boba Fett has told Story Group to tell Charles Soul of like that you can have as much fun as you want with these characters, but we need them alive. Um, I don't know what your opinion on that is. Is this a situation where they basically said like you can do what you want because we're not using these characters? Or I think we'll get into Crimson Dawn a bit later as well. But I guess it's um it's one of these situations where is it just a coincidence that in 2021 we've had a War of the Bounty Hunters story about Boba Fett? in the same year that we're getting the book of Boba Fett, or is it by complete design that this is meant to be some sort of tie-in or lead-up or just pre-prepared hype for it? I mean, I think personally that these characters have shown up for a reason and then have been left alive for a reason. And I think it's definitely, in my personal opinion, is because to draw up some hype throughout the year for book of Boba Fett and then to have them in it at some point in the show... I feel like, obviously, as we mentioned at the beginning, like this, what we've been given so far, the book of Boba Fett is like Boba, like trying to establish his, his like uh, dominance in the criminal underworld, and you know, get a name for himself as something a bit higher than just a bounty hunter. So I think, personally, the the people I think that would come in and try and undermine him from that would be the characters that we see in um, in War of the Bounty Hunters, because um, I think. They are like the obviously the more notorious bounty hunters that we we know of in the galaxy. Um, you know, a few of them being for just literally from that original lineup in uh, Empire Strikes Back. So I think for to write a compelling story, I think those would be the characters you want to use to try and kick Bob or off his mantle. So I think that that's the reason they that they were used to just give fans a bit of a reminder about who these people actually are. Maybe if they haven't been keeping up with. Like the 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 usual in and out Star Wars comics, like they might people might have just jumped on the War of the Bounty Hunters because there's like a hype crossover. You know, sometimes people only jump in at the crossovers because it's a bit more interesting than just the normal day to day stuff. So I think they may have just used the 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 hype of the crossover event to then drum up um, hype for these characters and then remind the general, more general audience about who they are and like how much of a threat they are to Boba while obviously showing Boba's um, dominance at the same time. Yeah, I I mean, I think Charles Soule has never said that, because I mean, Charles Soule, he did an interview and in saying that like War of the Bounty Hunters is the first in like a trilogy of stories about Kira and Crimson Dawn. Um, so Crimson Rain is the next chapter, which is a five issue series, which is going on at the moment. And then I think they announced the name of the final one was the Hidden Empire, which is happening in 2022. So Crimson Rain and Hidden Empire, I don't think are going to have anything to do with Book of Boba Fett because they'll be coming out sort of after Book of Boba Fett. But it's interesting that he had this trilogy of stories and the first one was about Boba Fett in the year that the Book of Boba Fett was coming out. Now, it could be a coincidence, but I lean more on the idea that 
story group found out what was going on in Boba Fett and was sort of Book of Boba Fett and were, I guess, instructed to fill in a little bit of Boba Fett's backstory that would potentially tie in to Book of Boba Fett. And I do think you're right in the sense of, I don't know how much like direct reference there is going to be because when you compare the amount of people who watch the show to the amount of people who have read the comics, it's going to be a vastly different number. But I do think for the diehard fans, I think there will be references. I like to think that, you know, if we do see the likes of Bosk and Dengar and Forlom and Zuckus in the Book of Boba Fett, they have a bit of a vendetta. They're out to get Boba Fett because the last time they bumped into each bumped into him he you know blew them all up i think that would be a cool element to take from this series and put forward um i mean before this we had only the end of all those character storylines that we knew so far was empire strikes back we had seen them before empire but we hadn't seen them post empire so charles soul if there was no future plans for bosk for example could have killed bosk off in this comic if there was no future plan for fall on could have killed off fall on but they didn't die so that does at least lead me to think that even if it wasn't planned as like a setup that there were strict instructions of what charles soul couldn't do with this series because of what was going to happen in the show so it does lead me to believe that i guess my prediction is that we will see the other bounty hunters of this timeline and this this particular era of star wars popping up in book of boba fett i've I've been campaigning for bosk for a while i think if i don't see bosk in the show i might cry um but then if i do see bosk in the show i'll get very excited because i just think big scary lizard bounty hunter is just so so cool and him and boba have a unique relationship that we've seen in the clone wars i think more than just fan servicey like i think he's an important character to play a role in um, Book of Boba Fett but I do think we're going to see these other bounty hunters I think the only one I don't expect us to see is Valance just because he's a comic only character and you know people average Joe and Jane aren't going to know who Valance is if he pops up in Boba Fett but you know they used Cobb Vamp from the novels in Mandalorian season two and that worked out so maybe Valance will show up I hope he does because I think he's actually a really cool character um, and I've been following his story for a while across various comics but I guess the answer to my answer to that is I think that this isn't necessarily a setup for what's going to happen in Book of Boba Fett I think it's very much going to be its own story but I think it perhaps serves as a hint of some of the characters we might see in Book of Boba Fett just because of the fact that they are still alive when they could have very easily been killed off and served the purpose of showing how strong Boba Fett is and how any bounty hunter that crosses him is going to die, but they didn't. Yeah. I mean, it'd be funny now to have um, like all these characters or most of them come back um, for them, Boba Fett, just to kill them in the book of Boba Fett. <laughs> just to, uh, they've been there on, <laughs> on the edge of life. Boba Fett left them on the edge of uh, <laughs> On the edge of death after the last showdown, they just show up again. They're like, all right, here we go. Revenge. Yeah, and then he thinks, never go. I'm not making the same mistake again. I'm not leaving him half dead. I'm going to finish the job this time. <laughs> yeah. And plus now he's got Fennec Shan. So, you know, they could they could barely put up a fight against Boba. And now they've got the, like, another seriously exactly. notorious bounty hunter. Right? So, two of them now. 
Yeah, I can't. I can't see anyone surviving that interaction. Boa Fett and Vinik Shand versus whoever. Yeah, I ho- hope Bosk survives the series. Um, but I mean, I wouldn't. To be honest, I really wouldn't have a problem with the Book of Boba Fett show being him taking out all these other bounty hunters who think that they can s- steal his position in Jabba's palace. I think that would be a cool thing that they've kept secret and would be a really effective story for Boba Fett of like him trying to turn over this new leaf of like being a more respected ruler, but his past keeps on coming for him in the face of all these bounty hunters that have got a bit of a vendetta against him for the last time that they all fought over something. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see him up against them again. Cause obviously it's been a little while since we've, we've uh, we obviously have seen, he was in that Sarlacc pit for quite a while. Uh, and then he's been, he was kind of just, I don't know what he was doing on Tatooine for all that time, but he was kind of just roaming about, fighting some uh, some Tusken Raiders, I'm sure, every now and again. I uh, See, my theory is that he's been hanging out with the Tusken Raiders. I think they made a truce, but that's my that's my theory. I wonder if it'll come true. Just because he had a gaffy stick and, he, you know, he had sort of Tusken-looking robes. And in the trailer, we do see a few Tuskens on Tatooine, which I think is a flashback. So I think I'm more subscribed to the theory that the Tuskens rescued him from the Sarlacc pit and he felt like he had to owe them to spend a few years living with them and look, you know, helping them fight whatever lives out on Tatooine. That's my, my little prediction and theory. Not sure whether that's true. It would be cool just to see Boba killing Tuscans for fun. But I think we've moved past the era of Tuscans just being sort of savages and John and Dave have introduced this new idea of Tuscans being misunderstood. Um, you know, the, the, no matter the, what's the word? native people of Tatooine uh, instead of just these like savages. So it'll be interesting to see that relationship, I guess. Yeah, actually it would. I wonder if, uh, if that, if what you said is true, I wonder if Boba Fett will, uh, <clears throat> will be able to, you know, unite the Tusken Raiders and get them into the criminal underworld. So they're not just like nomads roaming the desert anymore. They've, they get a bit of notoriety about them. But then the next criminal underworld is uh, led by Tusken Raiders. I oh, see. That would be cool. That would be cool, actually. I would like it if, yeah, because when Jabba was ruling Tatooine, the Tuscans always just kept to themselves out beyond the Dune Sea. But it'd be cool if in Boba's new empires, and obviously isn't the right word because the connotations of that word in Star Wars, but you know what I mean? In Boba's new criminal underworld, the Tuscans have a place and they, they get involved with society. That could be quite interesting, actually. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see, obviously it's interesting to see a bit more of them on TV, um, or just in multimedia in general, because as you as you said and as we said last week, they have they have had a bit of a dynamic shift from just like uh, nomad savages to <clears throat> a bit more like native um, native Tatooiners. I don't actually know what you'd call someone from Tatooine, but yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> definitely not that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but I mean, it'd be interesting to see them on on screen again if they are in a book or a fan. Yeah, I think a a shift in their in their culture maybe to be a bit more like a like a criminal underworld from from rags to riches I think that would be an interesting story like background story you could have in Boca Boba Fett where every now and again you'll just see them yeah. in the background with like slightly get a bit more power maybe they get a bit more fancier robes you know <laughs> a few gold chains something like that some bling <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, I really yeah I really like Tusken Raiders' character and I think that that season two episode of Mandalorian when Mando worked 
Manon called Vamp work with the Tuscans, I thought was a was a really cool, um, a really really cool scene, and I think completely recontextualized my view of the Tuscans. And I thought I, you know, putting together the dots now as we talk about it of like Boba Fett spotted Mando taking away his armor, but after. Mando worked together with the Tuscans. Perhaps the reason that Boba Fett was there watching over was because he has been working with the Tuscans. And, you know, he he was quite happily living out with the Tuscans. And then his Tuscans went off to fight a crate dragon. He was going to come and get involved. And then he spots this guy wearing his armor. And then this other Mando dude takes his armor away. And he's like, right, well, I want it back. Maybe that's the the background to that of why it took him five years to to get back involved. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. Uh, I reckon. I reckon the. Uh, I reckon the Tuscans as well helped him. I reckon. All right, I've said I reckon about three times in a sense, but um, Jar was scrapped his ship because it was left on Tatooine. He gets out of the Sarlacc pit, gets the help of Tuscan raiders. Him and the raiders go and murk some Jawas and get his ship back. And then he's like, you know what? I quite like it here. I'll stay with you guys for a bit because he can't find his armor. And then Cobb Vant gets his armor, and that's yeah. That's where we then, he's like, fuck this shit. Yeah. I'm leaving this planet. I want my armor back. Oh yeah, I definitely want to see some Jawas in this. I love seeing Jawas pop up in Star Wars. Um, the only reason I think they might not have taken his ship is I have a feeling that there's there's a shot in the trailer of the Slave One parked in what looks like the the sort of garage of Jabba's palace. Like, you know, in, um, in Battlefront 2, the sort of back part of Jabba's palace that you do that like co-op bit where you just get loads of kills. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it looks from the trailer like it's parked there, and that obviously could be in the present day when Bob is ruling from Jabba's palace. But part of me thinks that maybe that's where he left it. You know, if he he was parked up at Jabba's, he went out on the sail barge to watch Luke and Han get chucked into the Sarlacc, and then he ends up in the Sarlacc. His slave one has just been parked in the garage for five years and he finally decides, right, it's time to get the dust off the steering wheel and get moving. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm kind of hoping that they uh, that they do dive into a bit more. Maybe there's a few flashbacks here and there about how how Boba Fett actually um, escaped the Sarlacc pit and what he was doing in the five yeah. years. I kind of yeah, just I, mentioned or a few flashbacks and like that. I really think we're going to get flashbacks. I think there's some shots in that trailer that to me look like flashbacks. Um, so I'm feeling 90% confident that we are going to see some pretty clear flashbacks of his story of, you know, I think everyone wants to see how he got out of the Sarlacc pit as sort of the main thing. And then what he was up to for five years is a big unanswered question. So uh, I'm willing to bet quite safely that we're going to see it. Yeah, me, me too. It's like, it's one of those things isn't it, that everyone wants to know. It's like, do you remember when... Um... Everyone wanted to know how Sherlock didn't die when he jumped off that roof. I think it's kind of the same thing, but obviously yeah. <laughs> among Star Wars fans, so it's 10 times more intense. Yeah. I think one of the other sort of questions I've got for you, sort of, there's two more things I want to pick up of, like, I guess, predictions based on this comic series. I think the first being Crimson Dawn. So this, obviously, in this comic series, we see the return of Kira, Crimson Dawn as like a significant force within the galaxy, this big, big criminal syndicate, which is laid hidden for a while and has come back. Um, And I guess my question is, do you think Crimson Dawn will play any role within the Book of Boba Fett? Or do you think Crimson Dawn is sort of just one and done within the comics and they won't really show up? 
Oh, that's a good question. I think they will. I mean, there's a shot in the trailer, isn't there, where he's like talking to like all the um, head Donnies of the um, criminal empires. So I think they might show up, maybe there. I don't think it'll be Kiraf. That's her name, isn't it? Um, I think maybe Kira, some, yeah. Rep, yeah, a representative of Crimson Dawn might be there. But I assume, you know, because Charles Soul is kind of right in there. Um, and they're like dominance to be not dominance, but like kind of writing them to be a bit higher up in the criminal world than they have been for the last few years. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that by the time we get to Book of Boba Fett, they might be just another one of the criminal uh, empires in the in the in the underworld of, of the galaxy. I think yeah. uh, they'll at least be there by that point. So I'm, I'm assuming they might show up at at some point. I don't know if they'll be like a big a big part, but I feel when they gather all the all the big criminal. Uh, kingpins of the of whatever faction it is that someone from Crimson Dawn will be there. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. Is my answer? I think for a while I thought that they definitely were going to be involved because I thought War of the Bounty Hunters has brought back Crimson Dawn. Maybe it's for a reason. Maybe it's because we're going to see Crimson Dawn in Book of Boba Fett. Um, because I think a lot of people, you know, even though Solo didn't do very well financially, I think a lot of people like Solo. People have fond feelings towards the film, and a lot of those aspects of the film I think people would like to see continue however I read the first issue of Crimson Rain and without giving away spoilers the book insinuates that the story is about it is about to tell is a tragedy whether that tragedy is in relation to Kira's character or to Crimson Dawn as an organization is yet to be seen um because it's a it's from the perspective of Kira but there's sort of this narrator who's saying that this story is a tragedy that's sort of and I, I won't get into the specifics of that just because i don't want to spoil it but to me that maybe suggests that is that tragedy kira as in this is kira's last story being told in the comics and she's going to be dead by the time that charles soul is done with it or is it actually crimson dawn as an organization is gonna fly too close to the sun it's the second time i've said this on this podcast but you know with kira and war of the bounty hunters essentially wanting to challenge the empire in some sort of messy way going to get her in trouble and then Crimson Dawn wiped off the map. I don't know. So maybe they might not exist at all by the time Book of Boba Fett comes around and, you know, the story that's being told in the comics is actually the last Crimson Dawn story or Remnants might survive and um, make a, make appearances again in Book of Boba Fett. Not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it'd be a bit of a wasted opportunity to have them like reappear in book of, in um War of the Bounty Hunters, obviously a comic series so close, um, so closely released towards that like, book of Boba Fett and not have them in there for some point. I don't think they'll have a big part at all. Um but I think it'd be a waste not to have a representative in it at some point to yeah. like deal with underworldy shenanigans. Or maybe just a reference to their, <clears throat> their ultimate fate because I think for people who didn't read don't read the comics for them to see Solo in the cinema and then watch this book of Boba Fett show where Crimson Dawn don't exist anymore, maybe like a reference to, you know, what ended up being of them might might be interesting. Yeah, I'm hoping a reference or something in it yeah. would be... Otherwise, I think it's definitely a wasted opportunity. Um, I think the, the, the there's an interesting factor which was in War of the Bounty Hunters, which is that the Darth Vader essentially slaughtered the entire Hut Council... Um, when Jabba was basically the only member of the Hutt Council left alive because Darth Vader kills the rest of them. Um, 
And obviously we know that Jabba goes on to die, Leia kills him, and then Boba Fett sits on the throne of Tatooine. And I don't know if, because if there's no Hut Council left, I mean, I'm assuming there's still Huts out there in the galaxy, but like not the Hut Council that we see in the Clone Wars. Um, the people who are going to be fighting Boba Fett for control again, I imagine aren't going to be the Huts. Um, so is, is Book of Boba Fett going to be introducing us to new criminal syndicates um, that we haven't heard of before? Or are we going to see the likes of the Pikes, um, Black Sun? I'm trying to remember some of the other ones that were in the Shadow Collective back in the Clone Wars. Um, I guess that's sort of, my prediction is probably that we're going to see a mixture of both, like some new criminal syndicates that we haven't heard before and some of the classic ones like Black Sun and the Pikes. Um, and I don't think the Huts will play a part because I think, I mean, this, the comics confirmed that the Hut Council is just dead. So unless there's some young whippersnapper Hut which is trying to reform the Hut Council, um, I think we probably won't see much of them. What, what, what are you sort of expecting to see some of those old Shadow Collective criminal syndicates popping up in this? Yeah, 100%. Um, I'm assuming there'll be like the the OG ones we've seen, like the, the original like Mafia Donnies, like those sort of fellas will definitely be, there'll be a couple of OG ones in there that we've seen before in like Clone Wars, Rebels, uh, like stuff like that. Um, those sort of syndicates you just mentioned we'll definitely see. I can imagine though there'll be some new ones just because, you know, as soon as, as, soon as one like criminal underworld group is like dies or like is kicked out or, <clears throat> whatever you know there's always another one that you know kind of comes in to try and fill the vacuum so i imagine they'll try they'll introduce some new ones maybe just someone that have been like mentioned previously a few times in like this other style of multimedia but um haven't haven't had any like screen time or anything like that maybe they'll get they'll get bumped up the rankings now that the huts are, are kind of more out of the picture um but i, I definitely think we'll see some og ones just because it makes sense in the grand scheme of things, I think to have yeah. ones we're familiar with to then that, cause that will allow us to understand where Boba's ranking is like at that point in the show or something. If he's like going up against like the pikes or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Filoni, we know Filoni loves like sprinkling connections across everything he does in Star Wars. I mean, the pikes appeared briefly in the bad batch. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, I feel like we're going to see the pikes black sun people like that pop up in this because if it's if, if Boba Fett is trying to challenge the underworld of the galaxy to this new leadership essentially from him people are going to have a problem with it I imagine yeah I think I'm not, I'm not sure how it'll, <clears throat> how it'll go down with these like original people I reckon it'd be along the lines of like they don't respect Boba as much as they maybe respected Jabba because obviously you know Jabba and the, the rest of the Hutt clans were notorious gangsters and like you know leaders of the criminal underworld if you will you know they're yeah, the only centuries really, as well yeah. yeah they're the only ones that really went like toe-to-toe with um you know all sorts of like leading factions you know like mm-hmm. they went up against <clears throat> they were a nuisance in the clone wars against the republic they were a nuisance against the empire and mm-hmm. the original trilogy and stuff so they, they Boba's got big shoes to fill and i think as a lot of other criminal kingpins that maybe won't won't want to have just a lowly bounty hunter leading their in the criminal underworld yeah the last thing i want to discuss before we we wrap up these sort of predictions and stuff is our good friend han solo and this is something that i only thought about today and i never really saw as a likely thing to happen in the book of boba fett show um is 
obviously this comic series, you know, tells us a story of how Boba Fett lost his precious bounty, which was Han Solo, and then got him back and delivered it to Jabba. Then in Return of the Jedi, after all the effort that Boba Fett has gone to get himself paid and deliver this bounty, the crafty bugger, whilst blind, you know, nearly kills him and leaves him scarred and maimed. Uh, you know, we see in the trailer, Bob is sitting in a back to tank. So clearly it's taken years of back to treatment to get himself back to looking like a handsome Tamara Morrison again. So I guess my question is, on a scale of one to 10, what do you think the chances are that we might see an appearance from everyone's favourite scoundrel, Han Solo, in the same sort of digital technology, whether they de-age Harrison Ford or whether they use the guy from Solo and then use some like um, face mashing to like make him look more like Harrison Ford. I don't know. I, I, I personally think this is quite low likelihood, but I would die if I saw it happen. So I sort of have to bring it up because it was a little bit of something that popped into my head today. What do you think? Um, I think as you were saying that, I thought absolutely not just because of Harrison Ford. Like that man is just, could not give a shit about Star Wars. He's so done. He's so done. <laughs> like, you know, he's earned his money. He's made the films he's wanted to. And now he's just like, okay, I just want to go, go do other stuff, which is obviously fair enough. And it's only a job to him. So he can do, go do whatever he wants. And then obviously you mentioned the other actor. I think maybe he might be more up for it. And if, you know, he was asked, I feel like he probably would do it because, you know, Star Wars is, is that, is that money train that, you know, a lot of people want to probably get on, I can imagine as an actor. Um, so I think that would be probably the more likely way of doing it. And obviously it would be very sick to see that. Uh, I think out of 10, I'll probably put it as a four. Um, so not likely, yeah. but it'd be nice if it did happen. Yeah. I just, I just, we know because of just timeline wise that at the moment, um, you know, Luke, Han and Leia are out there in the galaxy. Obviously we saw Luke in the Mandalorian. They did an unreal job of bringing Luke back, you know, there were questions about how good the um, deep faking was, but we've since heard that they've actually hired the guy who did the better deep fake version on YouTube is now working for Lucasfilm. So what they're using him for, I imagine is going to be future deep fakes. Um, so they can bring back these beloved characters in sort of cameo appearances and future shows and stuff like that. I imagine we'll see Luke Skywalker again at some point. Um, Cause Mark Hamill's always going to be keen to be on set and then for them to, Jim. I just I don't know I, I still think I'm probably likelihood four out of ten same with you three out of ten maybe I just there's just a big part of me which thinks I'm getting my hopes up too much but I do think that there's an, an unresolved storyline with Han and Boba Fett and I think whether it's something that they want to do in the show or whether it's something that will eventually just get covered in a novel or whatever who knows but like Han and Boba Fett is there's an implied history in the sense that they've come across each other before. Bob, like Han knows who Boba Fett is. Boba Fett knows who Han is. It's implied that they've run, come, you know, come to clashes a couple of times before. I mean, Han pisses off everyone in the galaxy. That's what Han's known for. So it's no surprise. And then, you know, Boba Fett fights so hard in this comic that we've been talking about today to deliver Han as a bounty, to only have him be the one to essentially cause him five years of suffering. So you'd think 
Boba Fett might be a little bit <laughs> vengeful towards this scoundrel who's caused him so much trouble over the past five, 10 years. Um, so I think if there's one thing I know about Dave Filoni is he really likes resolving like unresolved stories that like he did. He resolved the Maul and Kenobi story in Rebels perfectly. And that was a beautiful, perfect conclusion to their sort of unresolved history. And there's just a little bit of me which thinks it could, because, you know, they're being super secretive about the show. They're saying that like, that it's going to like surprise us. It's going to be so exciting. Fans are not ready. And could it be that, that we might get the resolution, the final sort of closing resolution to the, the Han Solo Boba Fett story? Like, do you think they might, you know, Boba might go out to find him and finish the job and, you know, Han talks his way out of it or they come to him in some sort of agreement or, you know, Boba sees that he's got a kid now and it's like, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to kill this guy. Like, he's got a kid. I don't know. Maybe I'm just my fan brain is just whirring too much and I just want to see Han because he's my favourite character. But it's just a little tingle inside of me which thinks we could could see it. I don't know. No, I completely agree. Um, <clears throat> I think there's definitely like unresolved stories there. Um, and definitely I think if they did come across each other, it would it would make like complete sense. There'd be no reason for it to just be like fan service or anything because I just yeah, they're, you yeah. know, they're characters that... Um, you know, Han Solo had a big impact in Boba Fett's life, obviously knocking him into the Sarlacc pit and then all the trouble he's gone through just in this comic we're talking about now. Um, and yeah, I'd be very surprised if at some point they haven't come across each other before in the galaxy, you know. As you said, Han pissed up a lot of people, so I'd be surprised if he hasn't run into Boba Fett at least once before. So I think, yeah, it would make complete sense for them to have Han Solo in this series. Um, I'd just be, I'd be interested to see how they do it and, you know, if they mm-hmm. if they feel like they can get away with it or if, you know if they can work it into the storyline I, I don't know but um I think it'd be it'd be very good if they did and obviously as you say the fans would go like mental and yeah be cheers cheers from the sofas at home because I think there's something that I know about Favreau and Filoni is that they like servicing the fans but they only service the fans if it fits within the story they're telling so mm. everyone wants to see Luke in the time between the original trilogy mm. and the sequel trilogy but the time that it worked for them to use Luke was when they had this Force-sensitive character that needed to be returned to a Jedi. So it made sense for Luke to come in. And I think if there was ever a time that would make sense for Han Solo to appear in a show, it would be a show with Boba Fett because that is the only really unresolved character. Well, I mean, to be honest, there's probably a lot of people that Han Solo's got unresolved stuff with. But the Boba Fett one is from Return of the Jedi. It's a very obvious, unresolved conflict. And I don't know, maybe I'm just getting too hopeful, but I'm not going to be disappointed if it doesn't happen. If anything, I won't be surprised if it doesn't happen. But I just thought it'd be a fun little thing to, you know, speculate about because that's the whole point of this episode, really. (laughs) No, definitely. I think it would blow a lot of people's hats off if uh, a aged up... uh, um, actor showed up or a DH Han Solo showed up, you know, mm. either way, I think people will go nuts. Because I think they could do, you know, in the same way that they had like the young actor who looked kind of a little bit like Luke, but didn't really. And then Mark Hamill, and they like merged the two together to get this like de-aged Luke. I think they could very easily take, um, because Harrison Ford obviously wouldn't do it, but Alden, Aaron Reich, and then like, 
another body double and sort of like merge the two of them. So they essentially age him up to look more like Harrison Ford, but like he has already played Han Solo. So he has that sort of recognition in people's faces. I don't know. We'll see. I think I'm probably just getting too wishful thinking, but that's the point of podcasts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, <clears throat> it'd be, it'd be exciting. I think, as you say, Filoni and John, um, Filoni, yeah, Filoni and John don't just throw things out there for just to get the hype going. So I think in an, if it did happen, it would be, it would make perfect sense for whatever that storyline in that episode is. And mm-hmm. I have all faith in them to, to, to do it well if they do do decide to do it. Yeah. Um, right. So I guess that, that wraps up our discussion. Um, you know, we've, we've talked in some detail about the war of the bounty hunters storyline. This is very specific. The question that people's had on their mind, what did Boba Fett get up to between episode five and him apparently dying in episode six, this comic answers that question. And we've, discuss that with you today and then we've speculated a little bit on whether any of the uh any of the story beats from this story might factor in to book of boba fett um which maybe it will maybe it won't but we will find out in 11 days um so hopefully you've enjoyed this discussion um i guess one final recommendation from us if you haven't checked out this comic and you're interested i think you should because it's really good. Anything Charles Soule touches in Star Wars ends up being brilliant. And um, I think you'll agree, John, that the artwork as well in this series is really, really good. So it's definitely worth uh, it's definitely worth a look. Yeah, I would definitely recommend reading it. It ticks, ticks all the boxes, as, as does the usual Star Wars stuff with uh, or comics we've talked about in the past. So yeah. <clears throat> I definitely recommend picking it up. So um, we will be back next week for our last pre Boba Fett episode. Um, I think that the plan for next week is just to do a good old fashioned, you know, in the same way that a while ago we did a Darth Vader's greatest hits. I guess we could do a Boba Fett's greatest hits and talk about some of our favorite Boba Fett moments from the films, the TV shows, the comics, the books, um, and just appreciate the uh, the the great moments we've had from Boba Fett across across the franchise. So that'll be next week's episode as we get prepared for the for the new show to come yeah it'd be nice to do a some boba fett loving and appreciation because he, he needs more he needs more love and affection so it'd be good to dive into that next week yeah and i'm sure in a month's time he's going to be the most loved and <laughs> the most loved character in star wars because everyone's going to be talking about him which is good um and the fact that they're all going to be talking about the great tomorrow morrison makes me even happier because he's awesome and i'm very happy for his career having this blow up in his 60s i think he is at the moment so good on him yeah i can't wait to can't wait for that Fortnite skin as well lovely oh, stuff oh the excitement <laughs> <laughs> right so if you've enjoyed this episode follow like subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss an episode if you can leave a review on your app please do it helps that pesky algorithm thing which um no one understands how it works um follow us on our social medias we're at live from vader's castle on instagram at vader's castle pod on twitter we're live from vader's castle on youtube tiktok twitch so follow us on all of that if you want more of us talking about star wars or promoting these podcasts because that's what we use them for And as we said, we'll be back next week to talk more Boba Fett and every week after that to rave about the show. So stay tuned. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.